Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. One beautiful, crisp morning, a young lady woke up to the sound of her husband's truck firing up as he headed to work. Eagerly, she sprung from her bed, got ready for the day, and began to clean the house and prepare it for her husband's arrival home. And after she had straightened up the house, did the dishes, and got the laundry done, she ran the errands. And then she came home and began to work on her own projects for the small business that she was eagerly trying to start. And when the time came, she prepared dinner. And while dinner was cooking, she sat waiting for her husband to come home. And hearing his truck come up the driveway, she eagerly awaited him at the front door. And then the front door opened, and he walked in. He kicked off his shoes on the freshly mopped floor. He threw his bag on the ground, blatantly ignoring her. He then went and grabbed a drink, sat down, and began to watch TV. And saddened, she went and finished dinner, made him a plate, and took it to him. And as she handed it to him, she asked, can we spend some time together? And very aggressively, he looked at her and said, I'm here, aren't I? What more do you want? And after he said that, he turned back to the television set and began to eat his eat his dinner and brokenhearted she walked away thinking what more do I want all I want is for you to try and act like you care and that same couple was talking later on and she expressed that they had both began to just go through the motions of their marriage and the sad reality, the sad truth is this story is relatable to many of us more than we care to admit, yes? Marriages start off with fire and passion, don't they? I mean, think about the wedding day. Oh, the wedding day. How amazing that is. The preparation to get to the wedding day. How exciting that is. All the, the money, the effort, all to lead to that moment. And we all remember that moment, those of us who are married. Those doors swing open and there she is. The bride in all her beauty and her white gown. And she walks down to her groom who is patiently and eagerly waiting. And then the preacher begins his message and then he leads them in the vows. And then before God and all the witnesses, they say, they, I do. And then they kiss and they walk down the aisle together. No longer two, but one. And then the honeymoon. We all know about the honeymoon, right? And then you come home from the honeymoon, and you begin life together, and you're excited, you're putting your house together, you're getting everything ready to go, and it just, it's eager and exciting. But then somewhere down the line, for many couples, and this is not everybody, but for many couples, complacency begins to set in. For some, it's a week after the honeymoon. For others, it's a month. And for some, it's five, ten years down the line. But eventually, somewhere down the line, for many people, 
complacency sets in. And you begin to just go through the motions. You wake up, you get dressed, you go to work, you come home. Maybe, maybe not, you might give a kiss goodnight. And that's the routine for a lot of years. And you just travel through the motions. You see, the sad reality, the unfortunate truth is that complacency enters our lives in many different ways and in many different areas, not just marriage. Complacency sets in, and we begin to just go through the motions. And though on the surface, it may not seem like a big deal, does it? Complacency. Or, or, or another word that we like to use, because complacency is kind of a harsh word, right? What we like to say is, it's just the routine, it's the softer way to say it, right? Oh, this is just the routine. This is, or this is just how things are. This is how things have been for a while. Therefore, it's just status quo. It's just the way things are. But the truth is complacency is a very dangerous beast when we allow it to enter into our lives. When we get stuck in the trap of complacency, it can wreak havoc on our marriage. It can derail a career. It can destroy relationships. It can cripple a person's ambitions. We just go through the motions. When I was in the army, we're all taught this. There's a saying, and, and, and it is ingrained into our heads, and that is complacency kills they, they ingrain it into us. And those of you who served in the army know what I'm talking about. They tell you, they say, complacency kills. As soon as you become complacent, there's a chance you may die and or you may get somebody else killed. In other words, when you let your guard down, when you just go through the motions, when you go out on patrol, when you just happen to just, you know what, get caught into the routine, what they're teaching you is, Somebody could easily die because you allowed complacency to set in. You let your guard down. Now, I understand that is the extreme side of the spectrum, right? And you're sitting there thinking, well, well Pastor, if I let complacency into my marriage, no one's going to die. You're right. But the truth still remains. Complacency is dangerous. The definition of complacency is actually very interesting. I have two of them. The first is a feeling of quiet pleasure or security. It's a feeling of quiet pleasure or security. Often while unaware of some potential danger, defect, or the like. It's this security that we have thinking, you know what? This is the routine. This is how things are. Nothing's ever going to change. And we're completely unaware of the danger that is around the corner. We just go through the motions. We go through the routine thinking, ah, nothing's going to happen. And then 2020 hits. The other definition is the self-satisfaction or smug satisfaction with an existing situation or condition. Complacency, in other words, is just going through the motions. We walk down this path of life thinking nothing bad can happen, nothing will change. This is just the way things are. This is how it has to be. It's the routine. And we see this with New Year's resolutions, right? How many of you showing your hands have made a res New Year's resolution? Okay, couple of you. I'm not personally attacking you here, but this is from the experience of New Year's resolutions that I have seen. A very standard New Year's resolution is losing weight, right? 
That's typically, if you, if you go through the top 10 New Year's resolutions of every year, the number one New Year's resolution is I want to get healthy or I want to lose weight. And when we start off the new year, we do it very eagerly, right? I'm going to lose the weight. I am going to get in shape. So, so what do we do? We set our alarm super early. We get up. We take the walks, the runs. We go to the gym. We eat healthy. We drink more water. We quit drinking pop. We cut out the sugar. And it's wonderful, right? And we're good to go. We're on fire. We get on the scale. Yes, week one, I'm down two or three pounds. Week two, yes, I'm down another five pounds. But then on week three, how many of us know what happens on week three? Yeah, complacency sets in, doesn't it? That, that snooze button becomes a really comfortable friend, doesn't it? I'm not sure about many of you, but your preacher loves his snooze button. My wife has learned to deal with it. She forgives me. But the snooze button becomes the friend, right? Oh, if I hit the snooze five more minutes, five more minutes, and five more minutes turns into, oh, no, I'm late, therefore I can't hit the gym before I go to work. And then we think, as we sit there, we think, you know what? That Big Mac tastes so much better than a spinach salad, doesn't it? And then we think, you know what? I'm just so tired of the taste of water. And then we look in the mirror, we see ourselves, you know what? I don't look so bad. If I buy a bigger shirt... Mm. right? And so we allow complacency to set in, and then come June or July when we take our beach vacation, and that bigger shirt comes off, and we look in the hotel mirror, and we think, I lied to myself. And complacency sets in, right? And because we allow complacency set in, and this is just how things are, we realize, I never reached my goal. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And the sad truth is, complacency sets in in a lot of areas of our lives as we just talked about. But the sad reality is, the sad truth is that it happens in our spiritual lives as well. Complacency happens and my spiritual walk with God as well. When we get saved, we're energized, right? Who here remembers the moment that they got saved? I do. You are, I mean, you are filled with that fire, aren't you? There is this passion behind, you, you are no longer bound by the chains of sin. You are, no, you are now cleansed from all of the, the evil and, and the unrighteousness, and you're cleansed from all of that ugliness, and you're, you're forgiven, and you're now purified, and you're so excited because you, you now have this void that is now filled. This void that has been there for many years is now filled, and you realize that you are now full of joy and peace, and you want to share it with everybody else. And you start testifying, look at my whole new life, and you're sharing all the Bible verses. And you want to share the peace and joy that you just received. It's exciting, isn't it, church? But then, just like that married couple, we begin to go through the motions. We forget about that fiery passion that we once had for God. And then we stop growing never really reaching for holiness anymore, never striving for a deeper relationship with God. We become complacent and content with just going through the motions of calling ourselves a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian, okay? And we become complacent with it. 
and we go through the motions. We attend church on Sunday mornings. We put some money in the offering plate. We read our Bible occasionally. We have the Bible app, but the growth has stopped. The idea of becoming a true disciple was once a New Year's resolution is now just a faint memory. And we allowed complacency to set in. And then we ask, where is God's? We allow complacency to set in, and we ask, why isn't God moving in my life? We allow complacency to set in, and we think, why am I not seeing what I used to see when I was first saved? Go with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And listen to this, church. The complacency of fools will destroy them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. Think complacency serious now? I was reading in the Life Application Bible and it said, many Proverbs point out that the fruit of their ways will be the consequences people will experience in this life faced with either choosing God's wisdom or persisting in rebellious independence. Many decide to go it alone. The problems such people create for themselves will destroy them. The book of Proverbs begins with a clear statement of its purpose. Very clear statement of what we're trying to learn from it. To impart wisdom for godly living. You see, the writer of Proverbs understood that we have a tendency to get into complacency. He knew that we needed wisdom in our lives in order to understand what it means to live a godly life, a holy life. And so he tells us, he says, the complacency of fools will destroy them. Here, in this one verse, we are being warned against complacency. We are being warned to stop just going through the motions. And I know what you might be thinking. Well, preacher, you've said the word complacency a lot. How do I know if I've gotten into this trap? How do I know if I've, I've entered into this life of complacency? Because I can just say, stop going through the motions, and we can sit there, right, very innocently say, well, I'm not. I, I do this, that, and the other, without ever realizing, you know what, we actually have gotten caught into this trap. That's why it's called a trap. Because there are moments in our lives where we, we get stuck in these ruts and we don't even realize. We, have to, we go, through the, go through the motions, and, and we think that we're growing, and in reality, we're just, reality, we're just sitting there spinning tires, and we're not actually moving forward. And so how do we do this? Well, in order for us to truly know God, we have to have a time of self-reflection, self-evaluation, a time where we are honest with ourselves. A time where we allow God to reflect on our lives. And once we do that, then we can go through this list together to see how we have fallen into this trap. And once we see where we are, then we can move out of it. But it starts with self-honesty and admitting where you are. You can go no further until you say, I'm going to be honest with myself. Go back to the New Year's resolution. I will never be able to lose weight until I realize that scale is telling the truth. That scale does not need a new battery, therefore I've got to do something with myself. 
And the same thing in our spiritual lives. We will never be able to grow into a deeper dependence on God. We will never be able to become a true disciple unless we are honest with ourselves and say, you know what, God, I do need you to change me. Once we do that, then God can do something with us. But we've got to be willing to admit it. And so what are the signs of complacency? Now, this list is not an exhaustive list, but hopefully it'll give us that kickstart to be able to identify our own spiritual complacency. So these are the three signs of spiritual complacency. Number one is this. We think we are better than we actually are. Now, this list is not to hurt anybody, okay? I don't want anyone to sit there and think, well, the preacher's pointing fingers at me. He's hurting me because I was offended by his list. Listen to me. If any three of these things convict you, guess what? That's not me, that's the Holy Spirit. Which means maybe you should look into it a little deeper. So if you're offended by this, I'm not sorry. God's trying to talk to you, okay? So just bear with me. Number one, we think that we are better than we actually are. In other words, we think that we are doing okay spiritually when in fact we're not. We think that we have reached some kind of spiritual success, so we think, you know what, I can stop moving, I can stop growing because, well, look at me, I'm perfect. And what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to compare ourselves with other people, don't we? As long as I'm not like that person. As long as I don't do what they do, I'm okay. Or what we have a tendency to do is we like to compare ourselves to our past failures. Well, I'm better than I used to be, so I must be okay. And so we stop moving because we think that we're better than we actually are. But we must remember that Scripture encourages us to compare ourselves with the holiness of Jesus. Luke 18. In the book of Luke chapter 18, there's a story of the Pharisee and the tax collector who are going in to pray. And the Pharisee goes to the very front. He raises his hand and says, look how perfect I am. Look how great I am. I do this, that, and the other. And the tax collector, tax collector walks in, kneels down, doesn't even look at the heavens, and he humbles himself, and he says, forgive me. And the Pharisee says, look at this. I'm not like that guy. I must be perfect. Because look at him. He's, he's terrible. He's nothing. And look at me. Look how perfect I am. And Jesus tells us, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, complacency sets in once we think, you know what, I'm perfect, I've got it all figured out, I've reached spiritual success. Scripture says, stop comparing yourselves to other people. Compare yourself to the holiness of Jesus, and then let's talk about how righteous you are. You compare yourself to the other guy, yeah, sure, you might, you might be better than him, I can promise you right now, none of us are better than Jesus Christ himself. When we compare ourselves to Jesus, every one of us have got some stuff to work on. Complacency sets in when we think that we're better than we actually are. Number two, we are too comfortable in a culture we live. Complacency sets in when we become too comfortable in the culture we live. A true, powerful disciple of Jesus is never comfortable this side of heaven. One writer said, when we identify ourselves too closely with political philosophies, groups, systems, lifestyles, we stop thinking and evaluating critically and spiritually. It says when we identify with stuff here on earth, we stop thinking spiritually, we think, you know what, I've got it, I've made it. 
and we become too comfortable here. He said, if we are too settled, we no longer strive for the kingdom of God, and we miss out on what the kingdom promises. When we focus on what is here on earth in our current culture, we think, you know what? According to the culture I've made, according to the culture, I am a spiritual guy. Therefore, I can stop growing and we become complacent and we miss out on what the kingdom has for us because we've lost sight of the kingdom. Complacency sets in when we think that we're better than we are and we get too comfortable in the culture in which we live. And thirdly, we rely on self-sufficiency. Church, we're not as great as we think we are. And that's not to hurt your feelings, that's just to give you a hard dose of reality. We like to say things like, I can handle life and what it brings me all on my own. There isn't anything I can't handle. And every day we trust in our own ability to understand, to decide and act, believing that constant dependence on God is either a dream or a nightmare. This kind of dependence is not a reality we should experience. We should never focus solely on self-sufficiency because, listen to me, all of us have our faults. All of us have our shortcomings. And when I say, look, I, I'm going to rely on Pastor Andrew, I'm going to rely on me, I can promise you I'm going to fail more often than not. But the book of Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Dependency on God's where it's at, church. You want to grow spiritually. You want to become that person. We have to depend on God. You see, we fall into the trap of spiritual complacency when we have an attitude of self-sufficiency. Listen to me, church. We need God whether we want to admit it or not. You need God. Only He can see you through. Lean not on your own understandings. There was an online blogger that wrote this. He said, spiritual complacency is a dangerous spiritual condition. It leaves us vulnerable to spiritual dangers around us. It leads to apathy and sometimes outright rejection of Christ and his word. Spiritual complacency is a very dangerous thing. Like I said, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just a Kickstarter list. Do we fall into any of these traps, guys? Do I think I'm better than I am? Am I too comfortable where I'm at? Am I relying on myself? If so, well, how do we get out of it? How do we, how do we leave this, this complacency? How do we get into this new year knowing what we know, experiencing what we have experienced in years past? How do we go into the new year knowing that complacency of fools will destroy them? What can we do to combat this? Well, it's very simple. I want to share with you, and I want you to travel with me to the New Testament, the book of 1 Peter. I'm going to share with you a very familiar passage that almost all of us know. And if we would just hold firm to this verse, we can be spiritually successful in this next year. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And it reads like this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion or a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Be alert and of sober mind. Some translations say be self-controlled and of sober mind. In order to truly understand this verse, I want to look at it backwards. So the first thing that we need to look at is number one, danger exists. Whether we want to believe it or not, we are in the middle of a spiritual war. 
and spiritual dangers exist. The definition of complacency is a feeling of quiet pleasure or security. It's when we believe nothing bad will happen. Just going through the motions thinking everything is okay. You see, the enemy, he wants you to believe that. Your enemy wants you to believe that he's not going to do anything. Because then, once you, once you get comfortable where you're at, once you get complacent, once you think, you know what, things are going pretty well, what do you do? You let your guard down. You stop thinking, well, you know what, things are well, so ah, ain't nothing bad going to happen. Things are going pretty well. Not, not, what can really attack me? What could really hurt me? I'm pretty self-reliant. I go to church every Sunday. Things are going pretty smooth, and so we let our guard down, and guess what, church? That's when the, that's when the enemy attacks. If you actually study lions, lions are pretty interesting. Because lions are a pretty ferocious animal that can take down many in their environments. However, lions... When they attack, they attack the sick, they attack the young or the straggling animals. They choose the victims that are alone and not alert. Did you know that? The lion doesn't go for the head of the pack. The lion doesn't go for the group that is bunched together. Who does the lion attack? The sick, the young, the one that's straggling behind. Why? It's an easy target, church. Lions attack the easy target, and Peter warns us to watch out for Satan when we are suffering or being persecuted. If you are feeling weak, alone, helpless, and cut off from other believers, or if you are so focused on your troubles that you forget to watch for danger, those are the times when you are especially vulnerable to Satan's attacks. He's waiting for those moments. He's hiding in the tall grass. And we must remember that danger exists. The enemy wants to distract you. The enemy He's not going to come at you showing his teeth. Did you know that? He's not going to say, here are my teeth. I'm ready to attack you. He wants to put you into a place of comfort, making you think everything is okay, and then he's going to get you. You know why Japan attacked Pearl Harbor on, on a Sunday? Anyone ever done any studying on Pearl Harbor in World War II? It's really interesting. It was a very strategic move. They attacked on a Sunday because, listen to me, on that Sunday morning, many military personnel were attending off-base services, meaning they weren't there, leaving the ships in the harbor un understaffed in the event of emergency. By attacking on a Sunday, Japan had knowingly chosen a day where the United States would not be in full strength. It was a strategic move. They knew what they were doing. It wasn't random. You're going to attack your enemy when they're on guard, when they're ready to fight back? Nah, what are you going to do? You're going to wait till they let their guard down. And we saw what happened. We've all seen the pictures. We've seen the videos. Pearl Harbor was horrific. Why? Because they caught us off guard, church. Guess what? Danger exists and the enemy is waiting for you. So what do we have to do? Well, it's very simple and this is what we're closing with. Be alert and of sober mind. Or the easiest way to say this is, be prepared, always. Well, how do we do that? Well, we keep our eyes on Christ. We resist the devil. During times of suffering, seek other Christians for support. Listen to me, church, you don't have to do it alone. Why do you think we do this? We're each other's support system, guys. We're here for each other. Resist complacency. Oh my goodness, church, I can't say it anymore. How many times have I said it today? Resist complacency. Stop getting comfortable where you're at. 
Understand the danger exists. Stop being complacent. Continue to grow. Become a student of the spiritual disciplines. You see, Peter wants his readers to remember that we are in war and the enemy is real and we must remain self-controlled. We must remain alert and, do, and, and resist him and resist complacency. Do, you not, do not allow complacency to set in because when it does, when we let our guard down, the enemy will attack. We will be tempted. And when those times come, Will we be strong enough to resist and cling to God? Are we prepared for the temptations? Are we prepared to resist when the temptations come our way? Are we prepared for the enemy's attacks? Or are we sitting complacent thinking nothing bad will happen? Church, complacency kills. So in this next year, let's be alert and of sober mind. And let me encourage you to cling to God and strive to develop a deeper relationship on him and come into a deeper dependence on him. Amen? Worship team, if you will. Church, stand to your feet with us one more time. Praise the one who sent me free. 
Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. Broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh God, my living Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we thank you for bringing us through another year. And Lord, as we start this year, I pray right now that you help us to combat our complacency. Help us, Lord, to realize that we need you. Help us to come into a deeper dependence on you and a stronger relationship with you. Help us to be true disciples this year. And Lord, I just want to lift up this congregation to you. Lord, you see the blessing they are in their, in their area and their people groups, Lord. And Lord, I pray right now that you just continue to strengthen them. Help them to be the proper witness that we all know they can be and that you know they can be, Lord. Help them to be the salt and the light in their communities. And Lord, as we leave here today, I pray for traveling mercies. Help us all to make it home safely so we can come back together again. And it's in your glorious name we pray. And everybody said it. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. I'll see you tonight at 6.